Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 113-101 to loss to the Atlanta Hawks on Monday night in Atlanta at State Farm Arena. Barry, I'm coming to you live from the Zamboni Room. It is, uh, it's literally named the Zamboni Room. Is there, I, a Zam- is there a Zamboni in there's, it? There's, there's no Zamboni. It's, well, that's it's bogus. Big, that's totally bogus. But Atlanta lost their NHL team like 10 years ago, so it makes oh, sense well, that there's okay, no Zamboni. Okay, okay. okay. But they've, they've left the signage, um, I guess, in honor of the departed Zamboni. Well, is it cold in there? Do you have to keep a Zamboni machine cold? <laughs> I, I don't know. There's, there's not one in here. It's, it's used as the, the press conference room. The visitor's press conference room was the Zamboni room. So. Is it bigger than the Thunder a visitor's press conference room? Yeah. You couldn't fit a Zamboni in the Thunder's visitor press conference no, room. No, or really a 10-speed bike <laughs> when you get <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe a 10-speed, but not a, not a mountain bike. Yeah. Tires um, are too wide. Yeah. Rest in peace to the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, I looked up this history before, because I'm not a big hockey guy, Barry, but... Um, the Winnipeg Jets became the Atlanta Thrashers. So. Yeah, I saw where they – I thought that's what they did, move back to Winnipeg, which yeah. I completely support putting as many NHL teams in Canada as possible. So that, I'll sign that petition every day. Probably a better hockey city than Atlanta. Yeah, probably so. Um, anyway, the basketball-playing Hawks beat the Thunder 113-101. Barry, this was an interesting one because Shea Gilgis-Alexander was out, which means for the first time we got to see Josh Giddy as a full-time lead ball handler. And I thought he played pretty well, more so in the first half than the second half. He finished with 15 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. But um, what what, do you think of just him and and having the ball in his hands um, much more than he would have if Shea had been out there? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, uh, some of his passes were what I haven't come up with the right word. Let's see. Um, clairvoyant, uh, is a word that, that, that springs to mind. Um, that word yeah. doesn't often spring. Yes. Yeah, let's, mind. Uh, let's <laughs> say, it, uh, uh, inspiring. I mean, he, he makes some passes. You don't even, you don't even see coming or you don't even think. He threw like an underhanded pocket pass to Robinson Earl, like out of a pick and roll that was just spot oh. on. He's, he's very precise with his passes. Yeah, and it's, it's fun to watch. And uh, I, for one, thought it's great that SGA set out just to give Giddy that opportunity. And he ends up playing 31 minutes. He has eight assists, seven rebounds, 15 points. That's sort of the kind of player he is. Yeah, I mean, he was he's on triple double watch. I mean, he's just. He's just an excellent player for crying out loud. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's ever going to be a star, but he looks like one of those jack of all trade guys that that can do a lot of things well. So yeah. if he if it, if, it, if, it, if he it, ever becomes a, a knockdown shooter or a defensive dynamo, I don't know what his upside is defensively. Somebody smarter than me can tell me that. But if if one of those two things happen, then you you do have a star on your hands because all this other stuff. I mean, he's a premier passer, and oh yeah, he rebounds like a madman. 
And on so, the offensive glass. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had uh, two today. So he's just – he's a wonderful player. He's just the kind of guy you, you see him and you think, I don't know what he's going to be, but I know he's going to be something. I yeah, know he's going to be obviously, something. Obviously, you know, you, you, you want to hit when you pick sixth. Um, it's not as high as a hit rate of picking in the top three, obviously. I mean, that sort of descends with order. But there's also – you know, a chance that they, whoever you draft is a bust at whatever slot. And at worst, you could say Josh Giddy is not going to be a bust. Like no, you can already, no. you can already rule that out. He's already a good player. Right. Exactly. And, you know, when you see people, you know, he's surrounded by enough guys that, that the jury's still out on to, to know the difference. So, um, yeah, and so games like tonight I thought were fabulous because um, SGA is clearly, you know, the the leader of the team. He's a budding star. He's the guy that needs the ball in his hands. But it's great for Josh Giddy to to run things in in uh, in the stead of uh, in the stead of uh, SGA. Yeah, I think tonight was confirmation of what we already knew, but Josh Giddy his whole life has been a primary ball handler. He was a point guard in the National Basketball League in Australia, and the Thunder very much is hammering home this idea of positionless basketball, which I think in a lot of ways makes sense. You can never have too many ball handlers, and, I mean, unless they're all, you know, 5'10", 6'1", 6'2", but if they're 6'6", and... Six eight, six nine. You, you can deal with that because you you can really defend as well and have some size out there. But Giddy is just looks more naturally like a point guard than he does playing off the ball. And I, I think it's like as, as these guys develop, it's going to be interesting to see how SGA and Giddy continue to mesh when both do need the ball in their hands. Yes, and um, the thing I like about the thing I like about Giddy is he seems to play well. He seems to be unflappable with all these guys. You know, he's playing with a lot of different guys, a lot of different kinds of guys. You know, pick and roll guys like Muscala or, or Robinson Earl, uh, sort of a, a whirling dervish like Lugans Dort, sort of an enigma like Darius Baisley, and he seems he seems he seems unfazed by it all. Yeah. It seems like almost like he's the like he's the elder statesman, yeah. and he's he's adjusting his game to make sure they're you know going to be okay. So um, I don't know him personally, obviously, but being around him in you know throughout the preseason and in these games, like he handles himself in a very mature way, and I think that's the way he plays on the court. Well, he is. I mean, you. I mean, he ought to. I mean, he's been nineteen now for what four <laughs> weeks, five weeks. For crying out loud, he's you know, he may be younger than Caleb Williams, the, the OU quarterback. So, uh, who we talk about as a freshman phenom all the time. He's a he's a it's a it's a fabulous thing. He's a like lot a of, full year younger than Kate Cunningham. Yeah, well, there you go. And yeah. what I love about him, of course, is that he's a foreigner, so he doesn't have <laughs> some of the some of the American trappings that go with our our young stars, who seem to have. Even sort of the good guys have a have a level of um, entitlement uh, and swag that's not really earned yet, and he doesn't have a lot of that. So I'm uh, I'm all in on Josh Giddy. I think it's uh, it was a great inspired draft pick, 
And uh, he's, uh, like I said, I don't know what he's going to be, but I know he's going to be something. Yeah. Uh, Barry, I don't know about you, but I kind of thought he was the only, you know, saving grace of this game not becoming a, a total slug. It was it was sort of boring. Uh, other than that, like, unlike those first two games um, of this East Coast road trip in Milwaukee, not East Coast, but East road trip in Milwaukee and Boston, um, the Thunder got down huge, came back in the fourth quarter, made it a game. They never really had that extra gas in this one, and I think that's just the product of Shea Gills, just Alexander missing. But they just had too many guys who didn't shoot the ball well. Um, Baisley was 2 of 11, Dort was 5 of 16, Pokashevsky was 4 of, 4 of 14. They shot 26% from three. This is a terrible three-point shooting team. They're probably going to be the worst in the NBA. And, um, yeah, it, it they, make, they, they, they just don't have good shooters. No, I mean, but they, they make it up in volume, though, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, it was sort of a uh, – the first half was interesting. They scored, I think, it was 60 points at halftime. Was that – I think yeah. it was 66-60. Maybe, um, maybe I'm just getting a, a, a little tired on the final leg of this trip. Yeah, I'm, but – not in, in midseason form. You know, that third quarter was just terrible. The third quarter, they get outscored by Trey Young, 12 to 11. So um, they were like four of twenty six or something in the yeah third it, it was t- it was it was not good it was a four of twenty five zero of six from three uh, three of four from the line uh, two turnovers it was not a, it was not a good quarter um, Poku had four points and nobody else had more than two so it was a disaster but the first half was actually sort of fun because the Hawks play sort of a fun freewheeling game they don't play a lot of defense. They do some freewheeling a lot. Trey Young's, you know, must-see TV. It's such uh, a fun team. That's true. Like, yeah, it, I, yeah. I don't know if, you know, it's going to be hard for Atlanta to repeat what they did last year in that run. But, man, they're they're fun, and they just have they're, – they're deep. Every guy they bring off the bench can play. Um, and, I, you know, from like Gallinari comes off the bench. Reddish does some things. DeLon Wright can lock guys up. I mean, they, they – Bogdanovich can shoot, and then obviously Trey Young and uh, Capella. The guy I thought was incredible tonight was John Collins. His he had a crazy line. Um, looking it up now, eleven points, six rebounds, five assists, and five blocks. John Collins is not known as a good defensive player, and he like stuffed Darius Baisley's dunk attempt. He bodied up Lou Dort. I, I thought Collins was really good. Yeah, he he was uh, he was really active. I thought Capella dominated the boards. Uh, he had fourteen rebounds. Um, they, they got sort of a jumping jack team, um, but like I said, they don't really play a ton of defense. I don't think Atlanta will uh, will repeat anything like they did last postseason. I wasn't bullish on them last year. I'm not bullish not bullish on them this year. Um, they have instant offense off the bench with Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari, but uh, Lou Williams is now, what, 45 years old, I think, or maybe he's 54. I regret maybe. to tell you that the the fine folks of Atlanta don't seem to be aware of the Gallinari anthem because I, I didn't hear it at all this season. Well, they're not <laughs> – you know, they haven't it's, – it's not like these guys are masters of the NBA environments there at uh, – uh, at Atlanta, how was how was it was the, actually how was, was the atmosphere? Yeah, I know the reputation isn't good, and that's because they've you know they've 
had some bad teams here recently, although they had that 60, not that far removed from that 60 win team. But um, the atmosphere was good. Like they've made renovations to this arena. Um, it's a pretty good atmosphere. I mean, it was, it was fairly full. I mean, not packed, but more full than, you know, Thunder games have been just to use that as a comparison. My, my, they do such cool things with players on the, like, on the video board and timeouts and stuff. And this is a, this is an area where the thunder just falls flat and that they don't shoot any kind of, uh, fun things with players. Like for example, they have a, they have a segment every time where they pick a player to draw their, the opposing team's logo from memory. And then they substitute the actual logo on the scoreboard on the big screen with the logo that that player draws for a whole quarter. So Solomon Hill, who I don't think played tonight, tried to draw the Thunder's logo by heart, did pretty good. You watched him, you know, pre-taped and everything, try to draw it, and then they use it. Just fun little stuff like that I think is really exciting. I know I didn't explain that well, but it was fun. Yeah, that sounds – I mean, I think I, I think I got the gist of it. Um, I'm impressed if anybody gets within 600 yards of the right logo. So that sounds <laughs> – I mean, uh, that's not the kind of thing I can I could do. So, uh, you know, they historically have a terrible reputation as a dead NBA city. Maybe Trey Young's revived them a little bit, and maybe uh, maybe it's uh, it's popping in Atlanta like it did back when they had Jumping Joe Caldwell and Lou Hudson and Zelmo Beatty in the early seventies. Yeah, um, my the. My Uber driver who picked me up from the airport last night um, is a big basketball fan, and, and we just talked NBA the, the whole ride. And, I mean, he would, I asked him about Trey Young, and he just said that, like, Trey is beloved in the city and has really helped the excitement. And, you know, wasn't just talking about Trey Young, but talking about the role players like Hunter and, and Reddish and Gallinari and seemed really into it. And I know that's just, like, one guy, but it's, it's fun to just, you know, talk basketball with a with a random guy and he was definitely in touch with what the hawks are doing yeah well you know that's good it's not a you know it's not a it's not a fabulous sports town um they got the they got the world series champs but i don't think it's a baseball town um i don't think it's an nfl town it's probably still more of a college football town than anything yeah, and uh, their favorite college football team is not the team that's in town; it's the team seventy miles down the road. So, um, but maybe Trey can change that. You know, nothing stays stagnant, nothing stays static. Maybe, maybe Trey Young can change that. What a transition, Barry! Uh, you alluded to Athens, Georgia, home of the Bulldogs, um, one of my favorite college towns I've ever visited. Um, but anyway. Dave Bliss, not the one and only Dave Bliss, one of at least two Dave Blisses. The tall um, Dave Bliss. <laughs> the righteous Dave Bliss. Yeah. <laughs> the untainted Dave Bliss. The unblemished Dave Bliss. The young uh, Dave Bliss. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things you could call him that would put him in more favorable light than the other Dave Bliss. But anyway... Uh, talked to him for for a story that we had up about his time at Georgia and I I really enjoyed just hearing him relive that 2008 SEC tournament and for for those who don't know about it um, 
first off, just go look it up because it's it's sort of a crazy tournament because right in the middle of it, a tornado hit the Georgia Dome and the scoreboard was shaking. I mean, Dave Bliss talked about the light bulbs were falling out of the ceiling. Um, so they were supposed to play Kentucky that night in the second round of the SEC tournament. It gets delayed until the next game, uh, the next day. Uh, tournament gets moved to Georgia Tech. They play in front of an empty arena because they didn't know, I guess, what fans to to be able to let in and everything like that. And it's significantly smaller, obviously, than the Georgia Dome. So they beat Kentucky, and then they win another game that night. Uh, so they play a doubleheader, win them both, and uh, then then beat Arkansas in the SEC championship game. And Georgia team from a major conference is given a 14 seed in the NCAA tournament, which is the lowest ever by a major conference team. And Dave Bliss was a senior on that team and actually hit a game-winning shot in their first round of that SEC tournament. And that run just meant so much to him that he just he just couldn't get away from the team environment is how he, he described it. He wanted to, to still be a part of that and get into coaching, and it sort of launched his career. So it, that that 2008 tournament's kind of a cool story, and a lot of people here locally um, in the Atlanta media were in Dave Bliss's pregame press conference and asked him to relive those uh, glory days as a bulldog. You know, you know, first of all, the idea of a college team playing two games in one day is really cool. It's what mm-hmm. the Indiana State championships used to be like they'd play on saturday morning come back play saturday night with the finals um but i just find it great that we get to talk to dave bliss for these well you've mostly you've got to talk to him for what now five six days in a row um because we don't get to talk to these guys i mean some cool some cool beans came through town mo cheeks and and brian keefe and and uh uh, all kinds of you know quality assistant coaches, and we uh, we didn't get to talk to those guys, and so uh, to me it's refreshing uh, that that here we get to we get to hear from a different boy voice. Not that I'm tired of Mark Dagnalt, um, not yet. I did get a little tired of Billy Donovan. Did get tired of Scotty Brooks. Nothing against them, but when you talk to him every day or every other day for six months. You know, a fresh voice is, is sort of nice. So yeah. uh, to me, this has been a, a refreshing thing to get to listen to to, uh, to Dave Bliss. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I'm glad you said that because, um, yeah, yeah, usually we're not allowed to talk to assistant coaches, um, at, at least not on the record. So there's not sort of these stories. They have done some in the past, but um, this is my – third year on the beat now and I hadn't talked to to Bliss for a story before I think Eric had written one about his his name going into the 2018-19 season I think so it had been a while since we had had him on the record and just being able to there's all these stories that he had that we didn't know about um because we hadn't talked to him like I, I kicked myself Barry because uh the other night he was talking about when, when they were in Boston talking about all the elbows he took from Al Horford, playing Al Horford in the SEC. And Al Horford was on the Thunder being coached by Dave Bliss, and I never even thought to do that story. So just like hearing stuff like that was pretty cool. Or trying to recruit Derek Favors 
to Georgia instead of Georgia Tech when he was a grad assistant at UGA. Just stuff like that I thought was cool. Yeah, and everybody's got a story, and and everybody shares stories, but, you know, we get a little bit tired of the same old stories or the same old threads. So, you know, maybe I don't know what the answer is. It's not, uh, it's not going to loosen up. Um, but, you know, on occasion it's nice to, to hear from somebody. I got to interview Mo Cheeks once for Mother's Day, and that was, you know, turned out fabulous, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe we can pick our spots and find some, find some inroads into, into talking to some of these guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, shout out to, to Dave Bliss who handled a, a you know, I won't call it a tough situation because I think he's certainly welcome to the situation and opportunity to be an NBA head coach for three games. Uh, I expect Mark Dagnall to be back on the sidelines Wednesday night at home against the Jazz. Um, but it was it, it's a cool opportunity um, for Bliss to get this shot. And, yeah, he uh, – I didn't razz him too much about giving Mark Dagnall three three losses. Uh, I maybe too soon for that one. Yeah, p- probably too soon. I thought of that though. I thought of that when uh, I was watched him tonight on the on the press conference. I thought, you know, we talked about this the other night. This guy, this guy's zero three as an NBA coach, and as far as anybody knows, uh, st- the statistical record has him lily white. So, yeah. um, you know. Uh, maybe someday we'll we'll rectify all those in, inglorious wrongs. Yeah. All right, Barry. We're gonna. I'm gonna call it there. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we will be back with you on Wednesday night. Um, the Thunder is going to be home against the Utah Jazz.